everyone, and welcome to today's episode of A Renaissance Woman. If you are new to this podcast, my name is Hannah, and I am currently studying art history at my university with a particular research focus on the Renaissance era. I started this podcast as a way to research women during the Renaissance and the roles they played in politics, culture, art, science, and religion. This podcast is based on the question posed by art historian Joan Kelly Godol that stated, Did women have a renaissance? This podcast will bring attention to the lives of women that the canon of history has overlooked in favor of renaissance men. In today's first content-based episode, I will attempt to tell you about the life or what is known about the life of a very famous face from renaissance art. If I asked you to tell me who the most famous woman depicted in a Renaissance portrait is, the first woman who would probably come to mind is Lisa Girardini from the infamous portrait of Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. And no, today's episode is not on Mona Lisa, but rather on another portrait completed by Leonardo da Vinci. In my opinion, the second most recognizable woman in a Renaissance portrait is Ginevra da Benci. And in today's episode, we will learn more about the life of this Renaissance woman. First, let's set the scene. Today's episode is set in the city of Florence during the 1470s. The city's government, the Signoria, was a republican government made up of a council of prominent men from within the city. At this point, the Medici family was reaching the peak of their power under the role of Lorenzo de Medici, de Medici, also known as Il Magnifico, and his younger brother Giuliano, after the death of their father Piero in 1469. When Lorenzo took over the prominent Medici bank, he was in his early 20s. Actually, he was pretty much the same age that I am right now, so I totally feel like a slacker compared to him at the moment. The man was running one of the largest banks in Europe at the time, and had very important accounts within the Medici Bank, including the Pope, for goodness sakes. When Lorenzo was the same age as me, he was basically already one of the most powerful men in Europe, let alone in Florence. Makes me feel a little bad about my successes in life anyways. But let's keep going. During this period of time, Florence continued to be a hub of Renaissance knowledge and art with scholars like Poliziano and artists such as Leonardo da Vinci and Sandro Botticelli, among others, residing there for periods of time. The Renaissance was not only a period of time when beautiful art and architecture was made. It was also a tumultuous point both politically and militarily in history. See, at this point, the country of Italy as we know it today did not exist. The Italy we know today was not unified until the mid-19th century. During the Renaissance, there were many city-states within the Italian peninsula, and they were often, basically always, at war with one another. For many years, Florence had been at war with Milan, but eventually the two cities became allies through a political alliance between the Medici and the Sforza families, who basically ran each of these respective cities. There were not only wars between cities, but there were also wars between family factions within the cities. In 1478, Florence was rocked with instability due to the Patsy Conspiracy, where the feud between the Patsy, a family who ran a competing bank in Florence, and the Medici 
reached a breaking point, resulting in the death of Giuliano de' Medici, Lorenzo il Magnifico's brother, during an Easter Mass service at the Duomo um, of Santa Maria del Fiore. This event resulted in the War of the Patsy in the late 1470s, where the Medici family attempted to rid themselves of any enemies involved with the 1478 assassination plot against their family. But what does this have to do with the life of Ginevra de' Benci? She lived in Florence and lived through most of these events in the city. Ginevra's father, Amerigo Benci, was a Florentine banker and thus ran the same, in the same business circles as the Medici family. The family is known to have been on good terms with the Medici and were longtime business partners. Amerigo Benci worked with Cosimo de' Medici and his son Piero, and then his son Lorenzo, in the banking business. Amerigo even helped to oversee the Medici Bank location in Geneva before he was moved to Florence in the late 1450s, around the year 1457 when his daughter Ginevra was born. The Benchis were also included within the Medici's humanist circle. Often you can tell what a friendship circle looked like in the Renaissance based on who was within the humanist circle of an aristocratic family. Often the men from families would meet to discuss topics of mythology, philosophy, and theology together in public spaces. The Benchi family is known to have had a large library of classical texts and translations, which is indicative that the Benchis were part of a wealthy aristocratic class and also studied the humanities. Wealthy men would often be educated in both the family business, such as banking, and would also receive a humanist education where they would learn to read ancient languages and texts ranging from mythology to philosophy. Personal family libraries were amassed both for these studies, but also served as a material display of the family's importance within society. Women, even from prominent families, were not given priority to have a humanist education, but some women did, and Ginevra de Benci was one of the few. Ginevra was schooled by the nuns at La Marate, a convent near the Church of Santa Croce, close to her family's palazzo. The Benci family were known benefactors of La Marate. At the convent, she would have begun her education in theological texts, reading, arithmetic, music, and foreign languages. It is known that Ginevra was included in the humanist circle of Lorenzo de' Medici due to multiple sonnets being written for her by known circle members, including Lorenzo himself. In a brief piece of writing from the poet Poliziano, a friend of Lorenzo de' Medici and the tutor for his sons, he writes that Ginevra, whom he calls La Benchina, was at some type of game, possibly a card game, that the Medici family was either attending or hosting in Florence. We also know that Ginevra herself was a poet, who was well praised by the Medici humanist circle for her writings. Sadly, most of her writing has not survived the test of time. This is something that just aggravates me to no end because I desperately want to read her writing to learn more about her. There is this meme online that asks, what would you do if you could go back in time? And one person boringly states that they would go back to visit their grandparents. While a history major or a scholar says that they would go back and save all the ancient texts from the Library of Alexandria. Me? 
I think I would go back in time and collect all of Ginevra de Benchi's writing so that her memory and importance in history could be better preserved. And then I would also attend a Medici Humanist Circle meeting, then have a nice chat with Sandro Botticelli about his art, then I would tell Giuliano de Medici not to attend Easter Mass in 1478. Yeah, please don't ever let me time travel because the butterfly effect could be massive. But... At least Ginevra's writings would be saved by me, you know? But anyways, we do have one line of Ginevra's poetry. And this line, which I'm about to read to you, feels like such a cliffhanger because what does it mean? The line states, quote, I ask your forgiveness and I am a mountain tiger, end quote. One more time. I ask your forgiveness and I am a mountain tiger. What does that mean? Why is she asking forgiveness? From whom is she asking forgiveness? If she's a fierce mountain tiger, then why is she asking for forgiveness? And why has she likened herself to a mountain tiger? All we know about this line of poetry is that she sent it to a male correspondent, and we don't even know his name. So, what do we know about Ginevra so far? We know that she was born into a wealthy banking family who had good ties to the Medici. She was well-educated despite being a woman during the Renaissance because of her education at the convent La Marate. She was also within the Medici humanist circle where multiple men wrote sonnets about her. We also know that she was celebrated, a celebrated poet herself, but sadly none of her writing survives except for one single line. But what is Ginevra most known for? It is now time to discuss her portrait by the infamous Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci is a well-known Renaissance man. He was a trained artist and also had scientific aspirations which led him to create sketches for many new inventions. As a young man, Leonardo was apprenticed in the workshop of Andrea Verrocchio, a well-known sculptor, painter, and metalsmith in Florence. In Verrocchio's workshop, Leonardo gained popularity in Florence for his painting technique that utilized his signature sumato effect where he blended colors in a way that had a soft and hazy quality. The portrait Leonardo did of Ginevra de Benci is his first known portrait commission. This portrait is monumental in Renaissance art because it is one of the very first depictions of a woman not situated in a profile position. It was often believed that a woman depicted in profile was a symbol of female virtue and honor. It was even sometimes believed that if a woman was depicted facing towards the viewer, that she was a courtesan or a woman of low social rank. The only woman deemed permission to look at the viewer at this time in Renaissance art basically was the Virgin Mary in Madonna and Child depictions. And even then, sometimes she's not facing the viewer. Leonardo, rather than following the trends of his contemporaries and preceding artists, decided to paint Ginevra facing towards the viewer. She does not make eye contact, but rather manages to avoid the gaze of the viewer in a rather aloof manner, in my opinion. She seems to be deep in her own thoughts, pondering something. Maybe a new poem, or maybe something she recently studied. I think that Leonardo, shying away from the conventional profile view, gives Ginevra more life, personality, and integrity. She doesn't just look like another conventional portrait of a woman, but rather a woman with unique thoughts and a complex mind. Leonardo also painted Ginevra outdoors. 
which was very unconventional in portraits of women at this time. Women were often depicted indoors in either an interior room or situated in front of a window or a balcony. The setting within a portrait is important in showing a woman inside her home basically tied her image to the domestic space where she had certain expectations to adhere to. Usually these portraits would be hung within the domestic space anyways and were often commissioned by male relatives to display the beauty of their female family members within their home. Often during the Renaissance, women were rarely allowed out of their homes on their own and if they did leave, they often had to be escorted by a male member of their family. But Leonardo depicted Ginevra outside, on her own, and I think this is indicative of both possibly Ginevra's independence, but also the independence of her mind. Ginevra was known for her intellect, and I think Leonardo used the outdoor setting to be a microcosm symbolic of her mind. Leonardo also liked to include other witty symbols in his paintings. One example in his portrait of Ginevra is his depiction of a juniper tree behind her. The inclusion of the juniper tree is a play on words of Ginevra's own name, since juniper, in, translated in Italian, is Ginepro, which sounds very similar to the name Ginevra. But why did Leonardo paint this unconventional portrait of Ginevra da Benci? It is believed that a male figure in Ginevra's life commissioned the portrait. It is unsure who actually commissioned the work, but there are multiple hypotheses of who actually did. Giorgio Vasari, in his biography of Leonardo da Vinci, writes that Amerigo Benci commissioned the work, but Vasari mistakenly believes that Amerigo was Ginevra's husband, but in reality Amerigo was her father. Now, it would not be unheard of for a father to commission a portrait of his daughter. Sometimes fathers would commission a portrait of their daughter around the time they got married so that they could have a memento of their daughter's image left in the home where she grew up. Ginevra is known to have married a Florentine man named Luigi di Bernardo Nicolini in 1474 at the age of 17, right around the period between 1474 and 1478 that the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. dates the portrait to have been painted by Leonardo. Her wedding dowry was even documented to have been 1,400 florins. A dowry is a payment that a bride's family would make to her husband and his family when an engagement was agreed upon. Often marriages during the Renaissance were political and financial unions rather than ones based on love. A marriage between two prominent families could sometimes basically serve as a political alliance. Another hypothesis of the commissioner's identity is her husband Luigi di Bernardo Nicolini, but there is no record in his finances of commissioning this portrait. Often husbands would commission a portrait of their new wife around the time of their marriage to commemorate the union. Usually in these pieces, the woman is depicted with symbols of her new husband's family, which would indicate to the viewer to whose family she now belonged. These symbols can often be viewed somewhat as a stamp of ownership. But there is no indication of the Nicolini family heraldry in Leonardo's portrait of Ginevra. Due to the portrait's lack of symbolism connecting it to her husband's family, it is most likely not a wedding portrait. The third hypothesis is that a Venetian ambassador and politician named Bernardo Bembo commissioned the portrait of Ginevra. Bembo met Ginevra in Florence due to their connections to the Medici family. Bembo was a close 
friend and ally of Lorenzo de' Medici and was included within his humanist circle. Bembo was not only a politician, but was also a poet. This is most likely how he met the young Ginevra, who became his platonic love, according to legend. A platonic love was not uncommon for men to have in the Medici circle. The men usually chose a woman to be their muse and their inspiration for creative works, and they would then dedicate these works to them. Giuliano de' Medici's platonic love was famously the woman Simonetta Vespucci, while his brother Lorenzo's platonic love was Lucrezia Donati. The idea is based off of early Renaissance writers, such as Dante, writing to his platonic love Beatrice in his books, and the same thing for Petrarch and his love Lara. It is also known that Ginevra was Bembo's chosen platonic love because he wrote poems for her that stated as such. Another poet in the Medici humanist circle named Alessandro Bencesi wrote this piece on Ginevra de Benci in Bernardo Bembo, which states, quote, May Ginevra shed tears as you go, Bembo. May she desire long delays and beseech the gods above that every difficulty may hinder your journey. And may she wish that the kindly stars with adverse winds and heavy storms prevent your departure. This poem indicates that Ginevra did not want Bembo to leave Florence and that the two were quite close around this period of time in the late 1470s. This is evidence that Bembo commissioned Leonardo to paint Ginevra's portrait for him is that on the obverse, or the back of the painting, is an inscription in Latin which states, Beauty adorns virtue, and around the words are a laurel, juniper, and palm branch. The inclusion of these particular branches and the setup of the inscription is extremely similar to the Bembo family heraldry, which states in Latin, virtue and honor. Rather than her husband Nicolini's heraldry, we see Bembo's instead on the painting. So those are the three hypotheses of which man commissioned this portrait from Leonardo. Who do I think commissioned the portrait of Ginevra? This may sound strange, but honestly, I don't care. Now, it's not that I don't care about the historical importance of this portrait or this integral missing piece in the painting's provenance. What bothers me is that all people seem to care about when researching this painting is which man in Ginevra's life commissioned the portrait rather than the actual identity of the woman sitting in the portrait. While reading sources for this podcast episode, I honestly felt like I learned more about the men Ginevra knew than about Ginevra herself. Bernardo Bembo or Luigi de Nicolini are not the ones depicted in this painting, so why do I know a lot more about their lives than about Ginevra's? Bernardo Bembo doesn't even have a, an official portrait that is known to be of him. Yes, the Renaissance gossip is very interesting to me, but so is the actual life of the woman depicted in one of the most famous portraits in art history. As the art historian Mary Gerard writes in her amazing article, Who is Ginevra da Benci, Leonardo's portrait and its sitter recontextualized, she states, There is very little surviving evidence of Ginevra's identity outside that invented for her by Bembo and his friends, end quote. Which is so true because all that is left of Ginevra in the historical record seems to be this portrait, sonnets written to her by men in the Medici humanist circle, and her one solitary line of surviving poetry. So do we even have a solid idea of who this woman who described herself as a mountain tiger even was? 
We assume her importance, beauty, and intellect based on the writing of men she knew. But does that mean we know Ginevra herself? For example, there is no record on what Ginevra thought about being the platonic love of Bernardo Bembo. Did she want to be his chosen love? And did she have the agency to decide whether she did or did not? Did Ginevra even want or consent to be in Leonardo's portrait? Mary Gerard brings up this interesting and somewhat sad perspective. Quote, Yet at the close of their relationship, if its history here is reconstructed correctly, Bembo took one more step, claiming Ginevra's emblematic persona as the spoils of his conquest. I suggest that Ginevra de Benci, a member of a leading Florentine family, product of the Renaissance equivalent of a progressive women's college and a self-proclaimed mountain tiger, would not have submitted this lightly. She might have seen it as the stealing of her very identity, and her sense of personal worth can only have been strengthened by Leonardo's dignifying portrait, end quote. It is hard to truly get a good look at the lives of important women during the Renaissance because the material record from their own hand has often been lost throughout history and thus means that researchers have to rely on the material that men chose to write on these women, which are often more likely to be preserved in the historic material record. We do know a little about Ginevra's life after Leonardo's portrait was believed to have been painted. Her husband, Luigi Nicolini, rose to hold a prominent position in Florence's government, including being a prior in 1478 and eventually Gonfaloniere in 1480, which was one of the highest positions a man could hold in the Signoria. Apparently, Nicolini did have poor economic standing at some point after holding his government positions. Ginevra and Nicolini never had any children together, and it is not clear why they did not. Since she had no children, she left her estate and her dowry returned to her by her husband to her brother Giovanni. It is also known from some of her husband's preserved letters that Ginevra suffered from an unknown illness. She would often stay for long periods of time at the convent of La Marate near Santa Croce, possibly while she was suffering from this unknown illness. The convent was near her family's palazzo, and the Benchies had been important financial benefactors for the convent for many years. Before her marriage, Ginevra was tutored by the nuns at La Marate, and she returned to the convent for periodic stays during her marriage. Some scholars believe that Ginevra's sojourns to the convent and her not having children are indicative of her rebelling against being forced into an arranged marriage with Nicolini. But we cannot assume this to be definitely true. Ginevra died at the convent in 1520 and was buried in the dress of a nun within the convent's walls. Ginevra is remembered in history due to Leonardo's portrait of the young Renaissance woman. But it is important to understand that aspects of Ginevra's life that we do know are not necessarily based on her own writings and biography but rather on the surviving materials left by men she knew or, or in brief surviving government records. It is hard to untangle what her life really was like and what she really thought of things, such as Bembo or even her portrait being painted by Leonardo. But that does not change the fact that she was an important Renaissance woman who was a skilled poet and a scholar who impressed the humanist community in Florence. I have one last quote from Mary Gerard that I would like to include here to close this first content-based episode of A Renaissance Woman. Gerard states, 
we must remove those blinders to see that the importance of Leonardo da Vinci's portrait of Ginevra da Benci does not lie in its putative association with Bernardo Bembo. In it, we find the rare convergence of an unusually receptive male artist with a strong female subject. Leonardo, sensitive to and apparently not threatened by female intellectual capability, fixed in paint the image of pure potential, a young woman whose dignity, dignity and quiet self-assertion correspond in broad terms to the awakening consciousness, the female voice, effectively representing a new kind of woman who is only beginning to exist in the social world. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of A Renaissance Woman. If you are interested in learning more about Ginevra de Benci, I would recommend reading Mary Gerard's article, Who Was Ginevra de Benci? Leonardo's Portrait and Its Sitter Recontextualized from 2006. In order to write this episode, I also consulted the 2012 article, Family Wisdom in Quattrocento, Florence, the Benci Aesop, by Federico Batana. Another amazing source of Renaissance portraits of women is the National Gallery of Arts publication titled Virtue and Beauty, which was published in conjunction with the 2001 landmark exhibition of the same title. I have also consulted the National Gallery of Arts website, which includes detailed information and photos of Leonardo's portrait of Ginevra da Benci. Lastly, the Tricani Encyclopedia provided me with valuable information on Italian figures who were discussed within this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Episodes will come out every two weeks, and I am so excited to chat with you all again soon. I would love to hear any feedback you have on this episode or for any ideas for future episodes that you might have. Please feel free to message me directly on my Instagram at Art History Weekly. Tune in next time to learn more about an important female patron of the arts who is known for pestering Leonardo da Vinci for a portrait. She was also known as Machiavelli in skirts. Who do you think this Renaissance woman could be? Until then, thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.